Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Family Healing Circle, where we inspire awareness, manifesting, motivating, and educating every day. On Sundays, it's Make Me Feel It Radio with Stacy Ferguson. This show is starting a movement as it seeks to inspire people to grow and change the world through personal and financial development. On Mondays, is Totally Whole with Pastor Cook and Dr. Maxine. This show addresses issues related to spirituality and mental health. On Tuesdays, it's Money Matters with Chastity A. Wells. This show will help you get your money right and your financial house in order. On Wednesdays, it's the RN Perspective with our own RN, Stacey Lamore. Change the way you think about health by understanding the connection you have with all things and how your habits affect your health. Learn to heal holistically. On Thursdays, it's four weeks, four different shows. Five weeks, five different shows. The first Thursday of the month is Total Empowerment, where beauty and strength is enhanced inside and out with Angela Hardy. The second Thursday of the month is One Love, One Connection, One Us. Turn your relationship into a spiritual union with Reverend Arlene Cahet and Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. The third Thursday of the month is the Sacred Masculine Show with Reverend Jamel Gilliam, a show for spiritual brothers and the women who love them. The fourth Thursday of the month is the Inner Consciousness with Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. This show explores the inner world of our mind and gives advice on spiritual growth and self-healing. The fifth Thursday of the month is Healing Paradigm with Reverend Arlene Cahet, healing the mind, body, and spirit through changing viewpoints. On Fridays, it's Let's Talk Love, Sex, and Nutrition. It's sexual health and fitness like you've never heard it before with Vondria Walters and Zakia Lana. A family healing circle on Blog Talk Radio, 7 to 9 p.m. every day. And now, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Family Healing Circle Media. Family Healing Circle, healing the mind, body, and soul. Hello, 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 hello out there, my Make Me Feel It family. How are you this Sunday, rainy Sunday, rainy Sunday, that I want to just lay in the bed and not do anything all day? But, hey, it's another day. We're still here in the land of the living, so I am grateful. So, now, today, we have a busy show today because we have two shows, Compact and One, because... um. Well, that's a whole nother story, but so we have two shows, Compact and one show today. So our original show was supposed to be talking about church people. Now, there is a difference between church people and people who are really going to church for the right reasons. Now, you all know, or most of you know, if you attend church, that there is always a group of people in church that are not there for the right reason. 
are always even talking about people or what have you. And I apologize because my children do not know that I'm on the radio and they run into the house hollering like they don't have no sense. So, back to what I was saying. Now, see, this is what you got to deal with when it's internet radio. And I'm broadcasting live from my house, so, hey, these are things you got to deal with. Screaming kids running through the house. Now, so, church people. I, there was a conversation that I had with one of my coworkers in which I was not sure in how I wanted to do a show pertaining to religion and church, and I did not know what the format I wanted to do. Because I do understand that back in the day, churches used to be like an anchor in our society. It used to be like there's a church on every corner in Baltimore City. I was in one of those families from Wednesday to Sunday. We were in church. There was Wednesday night Bible study. There was Thursday night choir rehearsal. There was Friday night service. Then Sunday was Sunday school and then first service. And then we break and we eat. And then there was the second service. I grew up in the church. This is what I know. Now, Having said that, I know current times, current situations, I know there are still church services all week long and on Sundays, but it doesn't seem like the church has a big impact in our society or in our community now. I know the church back in the day, if you had, if you were having problems, if you needed money, you needed your bills paid, if you were having hard times, whatever your problem was, you could always go to the church, and the church would help you out. Is the church the same way nowadays? And if it's not, why isn't it? Is it because the people have used the church for so many years, now the church is kind of bankrupt? Or has the church kind of changed their outlook on helping the community? So we're going to dive into this conversation, but we are at a limited time so for the first half hour of the show, we're kind of going to talk about church. And um, I'm going to take a call or two or three, depending on how many people call in um, and have questions or something to say. But we're going to take some calls, and we're going to kind of find out where is the church in our community nowadays? Um, does it still hold the same anchor in our community? And do you go to church if you don't? Why don't you go to church? Is there something that's stopping you from going to church? Um, is it you stopping yourself from going to church? What is it? So we're going to dive into it today and see what you think. We have a caller, so we're going to pass this caller in, and we're going to chop it up. Feel free to call me, you guys. You're listening to Make Me Feel It Radio. You're on the air with your host this Sunday and every Sunday from 7 to 9, Stacey Ferguson. And for all my friends who are listening online, if you would like to call in, that number is 646-929-0630. Hello, my friend. Hello, Stacy. How are you? I'm good, and you? So, I'm so we're talking well. about church. Church people, the church and the community, our church. What do you think? Well, let's start off. I'll make the conversation easy for you. I'll make the question easy for you first. Where do you? What do you think 
Is it the people abusing the church? That's why the church is not the cornerstone. Or has the church kind of have a different agenda in 2016? What do you think? So all I can talk about is my church personally and what I see because that's what Mm -hmm. I live. So I didn't grow up churched. I decided as an adult that church is what I wanted to become so to say. Okay. So I I don't go five days a week, but I do go Sundays, and I do go to Bible studies on Wednesdays. And if my schedule allowed it, I would go to Bible study on Tuesdays, but, you know, the way my work schedule set up, that's not a possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But one thing I know for certain about my church is that it is still there to support the community. What I mm-hmm. find is it's only certain people in the community who rely on the church. Okay. So it's the same people who will come back month after month asking for help, like you said, to pay their bills or to come mm-hmm. back and get food and a good clothes and to do certain things. Right. So I feel like we make a visible presence, but I don't think mm-hmm. people really understand what that visible presence means. Like I don't know if they think that we're going to expect something from them or want something in return, but we're really just trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus like we're supposed to be. Okay. I get that. Um, now, as far as, I guess, community outreach programs or community outreach, I don't know, resources, is that the church's responsibility to be a community outreach kind of resource center, or do you think Absolutely. there are other outlets? Okay. No, I think that we have to depend on us to do it. The church is the community. Mm-hmm. So instead mm-hmm. of saying, oh, the city need to do more or the mayor need to do mm-hmm. more or this person need to do more. No, the church has to be the place to do the more. Okay. Okay. So if you are a member of a church and you have some things that you would like to do, but let's say your church isn't, actively participating in, like, let's say getting people to register to vote. Mm-hmm. What What is the first line of defense or what, what is the first person of contact? Let's say if you want to be active in getting people to register to vote, who do you talk to? Do you go straight to the pastor? Is that, like, is there a Sorry. line of communication or a level or what do you do? So I would say that depends on the size of your church and the structure Mm -hmm. of your church. So, like, our church is set up with what we call M directors or ministry directors. So that would fall underneath the ministry director who's in charge of community and congregational care. So you would go to that ministry director and say, hey, um, I want to get involved with getting people registered to vote. Could you help me Mm -hmm. or tell me what's the protocol for getting this? I think a lot of people are just afraid to voice what they want in church, and they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Or it could be that they don't know exactly who to go to. So a good place to start is the deacons. Mm -hmm. Because the deacons have a direct line to the pastor, whether you realize it or not. They're a good resource to go to. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to join the ministry, go to someone who's on that ministry. It doesn't have to be the leader of that ministry. And say, hey, I can hold the tune a little bit. I'll be singing in the shower or whatever. I was thinking maybe I should join the (laughs) choir. But instead of doing that, we just sit back and say, oh, well, the choir sounds good without me. I don't have to go. Mm -hmm. Or maybe somebody else won't register people to vote the city doing it. Why should I go ahead Mm -hmm. and voice that we need to do it too? 
Okay, I get that. Now, okay. So, the topic of the conversation to begin with was church people. <laughs> and I don't mean the saints and, uh, you know, the. but sometimes it's those people, too, who claim they saints, and it's the older people that kind of run people out of the church. What happened to the church being, like, the place that you go to as a refuge or the place that you – how did the church get so ratchet? What happened? Did we I kind of I, I, can, I cannot up? figure this out for my to save my life. So like people be like, Oh, you can't judge or the Bible say come as you are. Yes, yeah, say come as you are, but it don't say come as you were last night when you left the club. Like let's show a little respect for the house of the Lord and make sure our skirts come past our butt cheeks. Like I ain't saying it gotta be to your ankles. But come on, give us a little lead way. Right. So, who, now, is it is it the pastor of the church who should address these issues? Do we have workshops? Should we be having, like, workshops in the church for, like, how to act? Like, what do you do? How do you, like, in good with morals or good whatever the word is I'm trying to think of, kind of go to someone and say, like, no, you out of order. With good the corn, because nowadays you know it's kind of you know, right. So it, it you also know, nowadays not when what you approach say. people about that, right? And ain't what you say is how you say it. So if a young lady is her first time at church and she came in with something you think is not inappropriate, that's not the time and place mm-hmm. for you to go to her and say, "Hey, girl, you ain't supposed to be coming to church dressed like that." Mm-hmm. I think you you get more leeway where you sow little seeds. Like, hey, how are you? Let me learn about you. Let me know about you. And then begin Mm -hmm. to mentor her in that way. But a lot of people know the church hurt is the worst hurt. You hurt somebody at church once, they ain't never going to church again. But if they get bad service at a restaurant, that don't stop them from eating out. They just go to a different restaurant. And I think that's one of the hardest things to get people to move past or to understand. And it's up to the saints Mm -hmm. who, who aren't the church folks to learn how to embrace people and be more empathetic. And not come off okay. as judgy. Exactly. Now, this. So me and Courtney have had a previous conversation. So I'm kind of just filling you guys in on the conversation <laughs> that me and Courtney had because I felt like you know sometimes when you talk to people about different things, someone else may have another way of thinking about stuff than you do, and. Not saying that anyone is right, anyone is wrong, but we have a difference of opinion, and I can always respect someone else's opinion. Now, the next topic was gays being acceptable, or I don't want to say gays because then that makes me seem like like I'm really trying to be politically correct. So our LGBT community likes to do that. Um, what do we say? Do do we open the doors to everyone in the church? I don't care where you are. Are there like are there still churches in 2016 where people in that community is not welcome? What do we what do we say? What do we do? How does that work? What do you think? Absolutely, those places exist, and I don't think it's I don't think it's possible to change the mindset of everybody. I think what the possibility is is that you express the way you feel and you show those people love. 
Like, no matter mm-hmm. what somebody's lifestyle is, we don't tell, like I told you, we don't tell a deacon who got, who on his fifth wife that he can't be a deacon no more or who got the side check that everybody know about at the church that he mm-hmm. can't come to church or can't serve no more. Or we don't tell the gay choir director that he can't choir direct right. or write a song or play an instrument. So why is it then that we go out and point people out specifically and say, oh, you can't come or you can't come. Like, the church is a place for everybody. You can't say you can't come. Now, Mm -hmm. sin is sin no matter which way you look at it. If you're not going to accept one, you can't accept none. I agree. I totally agree. (laughs) But it shouldn't stop you from loving a person as a person. Okay. I get it. I get it. And I totally agree. I think the church should be I can't, like, I think the church should be, like, the cornerstone, the place that you go, no matter what your religion is, no matter what your sexual preference is, because really, who cares about all of that? Like, I just need people to get right with God, and as the songs say, and do it now. Like, you never mm-hmm. know. It's, with this day and time, it's always something going on. So, like, I would rather people know that you know, they could have a church that they could go to where they feel welcome, where they feel safe, where they know. Like, you're supposed to be able to go to church and leave feeling better than you did when you came. It should be something that happens that will make you a better person leaving out of the door than when you walked in the door. Um, so, well, Courtney, do you would you like to give your church home and the information and address if anyone wants to uh, – Attend? Not a problem. I go to Greater Gethsemane Missionary Baptist. My pastor is Dr. Thomas. And we have Thursday at 8 30 and 11 every Sunday. All right, all right, all right. So, does your church have a youth service kind of for the kids? Because we can't forget about the kids. That's churches for everyone, but we need more churches to kind of reach out to the children. The children are our future. Do you have any? Um, Kids kind of programs, or is there kids service when the adult service is going on? How does that work mm-hmm. at your church? So we typically have um, children's church at eight thirty service, where the kids leave and okay. they minister to, and another part of the church, either down the street in one of our other facilities or downstairs, depending on the weather, and not mm-hmm. wanting them to go outside. Um, every fifth Sunday okay. is youth day at our church, so the messages geared towards youth and young adults. Okay, cool. Now, I'm sorry, Courtney. I'm making sure everything is running properly here. Okay. What What do you think is a good idea for churches to reach more people? Do we need to kind of have outside services? Is that an option? Do people still do that any longer? where, like, you have church outside of your church that will invite the people in your community? Absolutely. We still do it all the time. Cool. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good avenue, and a lot of people do end up getting saved that way and using it as mm-hmm. a, a way to get in church. So right. a lot of times we just feel like since we're there and we're in a community, people should come mm-hmm. in. But when we go to them, mm-hmm. it sometimes gives them an avenue to say, okay, 
these people aren't that bad or these people aren't judging me or these people are coming to where I am. So they must be mm-hmm. a little more than I think they did. Why don't why 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 don't we now I know back in the day the the church kind of used to get out and just like Jehovah Witnesses kind of go door to door. Do you think that's an option for churches nowadays, or do you think that's not safe? I, I can't say it's not safe because Jehovah Witnesses still do it, but I don't know how effective it is. Because oftentimes okay. when they come knock on your door, you hide and act like you're not home. So what's to of say course. people aren't going to do the same thing when you go <laughs> and knock? <laughs> so I think we just have to find more effective means of reaching people. Mm-hmm. Now, I know social media helps. Um, do I think that's the end all be all? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But it is an avenue that is um, that is helpful. How do how do how do how does the church make more of an impact on the service when people come? So let's say, and I'm getting back to our ratchet friends now who come to church to cut up and not really get the word of God. Like, what do we do? How do we honestly, I know people just want to be people, and you really can't, like, you know, in my mind, I think I could change the world, but that might not be the reality of the situation. But how do you kind of make sure that you are touching at least the majority of the crowd in church? I think it's about switching it up, like, same way you always break incorporate different mm-hmm. things, incorporate media, incorporate music. Um, mm-hmm. I know at our church there's been times where as it's played like a commercial on the mm-hmm. screen behind him, like this sermon or before his sermon, and then tie that into the sermon. Because most people okay. have ADHD and don't know it. So your attention span mm-hmm. is typically seven minutes or less. As the seven minutes, you're really not paying attention. So one okay. tool I use is getting people involved on my sermon. So if I say, um, like one sermon I did, I said, every time I say right is right, you say wrong is wrong. So I would say mm-hmm. right is right, and then the congregation would have to say wrong is wrong. So whoever checked out, that would kind of bring you back, like, oh, she's still talking kind of thing. Okay. So basically we have to be more interactive with the church service and not just someone standing up the front preaching. Absolutely. Now, you know what? I don't know why I didn't come up with that idea because, like, it makes sense to me. Hey, when I do speeches, I know you have to keep people's attention, kind of make it interactive, kind of have people in, have to have people, you know, kind of in there with you and kind of have a back and forth conversation. So I appreciate that. And one more time, give us your church name and your address, Courtney. Greater Gethsemane Missionary Baptist Church, 2525 East Front Street, service at 830 and 11 every Sunday. All right, all right, all right. Now, if you have any questions, any of my people out there that's listening, if you are listening from the Internet, the telephone number is 646-929-0630. If you have any questions, about church people, about the church, about interacting. If you want to ask 
uh, Courtney, any questions about her church and how you can become a minister? Um, how you can become a minister? <laughs> that's not what I want to know. Uh, how you can become a member, or if you would just like to attend and you have some other questions, feel free to call in. The telephone number is 646-929-0630. You're listening to Make Me Feel It Radio. This is your host this Sunday night and every Sunday night, Stacy. And so, Courtney, what did mm-hmm. I miss? I don't think you missed anything. Oh, you know was what there anything missed? that I was, what we missed? The respect factor. I Deal. do not respect the church anymore. Right. Okay. So what do you think? Do you think, do you think it's the church itself, as in the congregation, the services who run the church? How do how did the church kind of lose the respect that we used to have for them, for the church in general? I think a lot of it had to do with the way our society is set up now. So, like, if you think about back in the day, church, Big Mama was taking you to church every Sunday. It wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily your mama, but um, now we have a whole generation of kids who don't have a Big Mama because their Big Mama mm-hmm. is 42 instead of 65. Right. So that 42-year-old Big Mama ain't going to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Or she ain't even called Big Mama no more. She Gigi or something cute. She don't even want to be associated with Big Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the dynamic of our society has changed so much, though. But that raises a very important question. Like, how do we get that young group back in church? Do they want to be in church? Do they even care? Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at how mm-hmm. much violence we have in our city. They don't even value life. So how should we right. get them to value where they're going after life? Mm-hmm. So I guess you we would need more outlets and more more outreaches simply because like back in the day, I know our church used to do trips to like Chicken Bee. We used to do different outings to get the kids more involved. Does churches even do that anymore? Absolutely, but what we find is the children's lives are already so busy because they're in dance or they're in sports, so they have so many other things going on. The church isn't mm-hmm. always the priority. Or the parent has okay, so much okay. on their plate already that getting them there to go to that event is not number one on the list. It's like, oh, I can take my child skating okay, or whatever. Okay. This Sunday, this Saturday is not a good mm-hmm. time for me to take them skating, so they're not going. Okay. It's not like, oh, the church has an event, so let's go. It's just seen as another event or another thing to add to the calendar. Okay. I get it. So we got to figure out ways to be more active in a community that'll stick and that'll actually work is what I'm getting, basically. I think we really got to find out from the people what it's going to take for them to come back. Maybe we should maybe we should hold a poll. We're going to have to figure that out. We're going to have to put, some, put our minds together, take a poll and see, I don't know, how we can get people back in the church and how the church can recover from 
whatever happened because I don't know. Oh, we have a question. So hold on. Let's see what we got here. Carla, you are on the line with Stacy and Make Me Feel the Radio. Do you have a question for us today? Well, I have a comment, um, Stacy. So yeah. um, in reference to getting the youth and things of that nature back into church, uh, well, just, just to play off of that, um, growing up, I was more so um, forced to go to church because, like Courtney said, you know, my granny was taking me to church. So if she was up at eight thirty, nine o'clock getting ready to go to church on a Sunday, I had to go. And as I got older and I left home and went to college, I was in search of a church home, you know, once I got to my new area, but so unable to find one because I'm used to being in the type of church that my granny has, that old down-home church. It's not too big. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows everybody. And nowadays you've got these big mega churches where there's so much stuff going on. I'm not a fan of having something playing on the screen behind the pulpit. I'm not a fan of them doing um, just all types of extra stuff that I never, ever, ever experienced as a, as a youth growing up. So I don't know what it is or what it's going to take for the youth to get into the church, but, I mean, I, I, I'm still looking for a church. And because there's so many of these mega churches and these young pastors, I'm so not interested. I miss the down-home country, you know, little teeny tiny churches with fans, no air conditioners. I miss and love all of that. I feel like I can go to church and get the word and get the message versus getting all this old extra stuff. You want me to be a part of this? You want me to be a part of that? I got to come to this. I got to come to that. We got this going on. Production is just too much nowadays. I think it's just very overbearing for children these days. They don't know what to do when you get in church. There's so many different groups and so many different activities it's like a overload keep it simple just coming in let me get my um you know my, my word the benediction and let me get out of there so that's all i had to say i don't like these new age churches i like the old churches i miss the old churches okay so i'm going to promote my church because i think my church has kind of stuck to that and they are uh older kind of church they really don't have all of that and it's like a down home feel good church so the name of my church is davis memorial ame church and we are recently relocated to 1430 joe avenue but we'll be moving again soon but say all of that shameless self-promotion i say all of that to say I think you have to kind of ask around. I think churches are more word of mouth than what you see on TV or what people promote. I think you kind of have to kind of pick out a couple churches and, you know, on a Sunday where you feel like going to church, just kind of visit different churches that's in your area to see which one kind of feels good to you and kind of feels like you could be at home and you could actually have a role in a church and help out if you so please. But if you don't and you just want to have somewhere where you can go and get the word, I think you kind of got to shop around. Um, and you kind of got to ask people, like, what church do you go to? How is it? How is the pastor? How does the pastor interact? Excuse me, interact with the congregation. So I think it's kind of a kind of hit and miss, kind of if you say. But I think you kind of just gotta shop around and kind of just go to different churches and see which one you like. All right, sound like something I can do. I've done that before. You know, a couple years ago, I did that. Probably went to like five or six different churches. So mm-hmm. maybe I give it another shot and see what um see what I come up with. 
Well, thank you so much. Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you for calling. Do you have any other questions, or was that your only question? No, that was my only thing. I'm going to continue to listen on, and if there's any more that do arise, then I'll definitely hit one, and I'll be back on the line. Thank you so very much for listening to Make Me Feel It Radio. All right, so, Courtney, what do you think? How do you think, I mean, or what do you think about the mega churches and the big churches and kind of what the caller was saying? Do you so have I a problem? It's something for everybody. So, like, the mm-hmm. mega church is not my thing. The down mm-hmm. home, small, we ain't got no air-conditioned church is not my thing either. So the mm-hmm. thing I like about my church in particular is that we in the middle. So we're not mm-hmm. so big that we're mega church status, but we're not so small that we're only family church status. It's a church right. that was several different families in one building. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. still get that home feeling, and everybody knows everybody pretty much, but it's not mm-hmm. so small. Okay. So I think I, get I think it. that church needs to keep variety, and every shoe is not going to fit every person. Mm-hmm. Okay. I get it, I get it, I get it. So now, I'm sorry, Courtney, I'm making sure I don't have any questions. So for all of my people who are listening from your computer, the telephone number is 646-929-0630. If you have any questions or if you would like to um, ask Courtney any questions, feel free. You know I'm doing engineering um, and hosting at the same time, so we're working (laughs) it out right now. A a woman of many talents. You're right. And I hope I don't mess up. Okay. So then, first of all, thank you, Courtney, for being on the show. That's number one. Um, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, We are going to cut to our next segment. And, Courtney, if you would like to stay on the line and listen, that would be awesome. No problem, though. It was a pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are the best. So we're going to put you back on mute, and then we're going to cut to the next segment of the show. Good afternoon, Mr. Pettit. This is Stacy, and you're on with Make Me Feel It Radio. How are you? I'm fine. Good evening, Stacy. Glad to be with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And glad, of course, to have you. You know, you are like my grandfather in my head, like, I love you to death, and every time you agree to be on the show, I'll be so excited. I would go and call my mother and tell everybody, like, he's going to say, he said yes, he said yes, I'm so excited. I know they'd be like, okay, I need you to calm down. But I love this, I love all the inspiration, I love that you are so wise, and I love that you kind of keep it at a level where everyone understands, and I appreciate you even taking those time to say, you know, my little self, say something on my show. So I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you too, Stacey. All right, so let's dig right in because I have a million questions about this election that hopefully that you can either inspire me to do something or kind of explain to me what happened because I'm all over the place. So first things first, why were there paper ballots this year? What's up with that? Well, it seems to be such a mess, Stacey, in terms of this primary election. Uh, and, and part of the excuse factor from the Baltimore City Board of Elections that this is a 
a new thing, the paper ballot, and I don't really understand uh, why in this age of technology we had to go to a, a paper ballot in the first place. And it right. uh, reminds me of what we saw in Florida. You might be too young to remember, but when George Bush was elected and we got into all the issues about chads and all of that. And so, you know, why they're using paper ballots uh, is unbelievable in this modern day and age. But uh, so many things went wrong in terms of um, uh, votes, voters, more votes coming out than people mm-hmm. voted and uh, uh, the uh, pre-voting uh, count was off. And, right. And then these, uh, this, I forget what they call these, provisional ballots. Uh, that weren't counted and ballots that were missing, and so mm-hmm. our whole the whole thing I think was a was a farce, and it's just ridiculous that the state says in terms of its investigation and, and recertification that yeah we found all these problems and we're going to fix them in February I mean in November, but uh, this election will stand as it is and. To me, that's that's ridiculous and and really is a slap in the face to the voters of Baltimore City. I totally agree. So, how how does that come about? Like, who decides whether we electronically vote or paper ballot? And was that something we vote on, or does someone make that decision for us? Well, my understanding is that that's a legislative decision that's made. I could be wrong on that. I don't think it comes out of the gubernatorial office. I think uh, uh, elected uh, legislatures uh, who, in fact, appoint uh, the state board of elections. Well, the governor does appoint some of the state board elections, too. So I think maybe I'm I'm, I'm saying uh, several things in answer to your question, Stacy, but it's probably mm-hmm. – the state board of elections uh, or the state board of uh, electors that are appointed by the governor and I think probably supervised by uh, the, the uh, elected officials in terms of the, of the House and the Senate. But I could be wrong on that, but I think it's the state board of elections. And then we mm-hmm. have the city board of electors, which is elections, which is appointed uh, also I guess, by the state board or monitored by the state board but appointed by the governor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess since this was such – or this was since this didn't go well with the paper ballot, I'm going to assume they're going to do away with this at this point. And we just stuck well, with Well, who knows? That's a good question. Made. That's a good question, Stacey, you know, whether the, they will be able to do that – I think a lot is, you know, it's one good thing that has come, and that's the fact that this uh, this group of uh, citizens in terms of monitoring this election uh, have filed suit. And Mm -hmm. uh, in the United States District Court, federal court, and uh, Wendell Gordon, I think, is the attorney on that case, or at least one of the attorneys. And part of the thrust of that, that suit uh, is that uh, certain constitutional violations took place. Uh, part ah. of the allegations, as I understand it, is the uh, disenfranchisement of, of African Americans in terms 
of uh, voting and numbers and what have you because this impacts the the black community. But they're also alleging mm-hmm. all of the things that we talked about in terms of the irregularities. The question uh-huh. is, is the matter of law. Uh, you usually have to prove in order to get a, a new election that the votes in question uh, would in fact or could uh, change the outcome. So the argument of the state is that, well, okay, it's messed up, there's irregularities, uh, but it doesn't amount to fraud, and it doesn't amount mm-hmm. to any type of conspiracy, and there not enough votes uh, uh, were involved to, in fact, change the outcome of the election. I think that's a bogus argument because if mm-hmm. you have all of these irregularities coming just from the small review uh, that the State Board of Elections did in terms of what happened in the city, uh, just imagine what could be there if there was a more comprehensive review. And so uh-huh. basically you have deprived the citizens of Baltimore City of their opportunity to elect and to have elected officials of their choice if, in fact, the election was, in fact, bogus. So how do we have faith in a city that screws up so much? <laughs> I hate to be the one to say it, but somebody got to be the one to say it. Like, what is going on? How do we as the citizens, what do we do to get our voice heard besides, like, March? Who do we still contact the people that are supposed to represent us in our or our district? Do they really listen well, to us? Well, that's what becomes frustrating, um, Stacey, because uh, you, we tell everybody to come out and how important their vote is and that every citizen has a responsibility to vote. And then when you have one of the largest turnouts mm-hmm. uh, in the history of this city and you find out that maybe the person that we voted for or the voters voted for was not the person who was declared to be a winner, uh, that becomes very, very frustrating. And so, you know, the answer to your question is that, you know, complaining to your legislators uh, might be like the fox guarding the hen house. They are the persons that were in charge of the election in the first place. (laughs) Because the way these things are divided up, the senatorial districts, uh, the state senators are are appointed for uh, responsible for the voting mechanisms in their districts. They they appoint the uh, the judges. They appoint the uh, the workers, the poll workers, and what have you. And so, complaining to them, I don't really know whether it gets you uh, any right. uh, real insight into what took place mm-hmm. or what's happening. So, your only recourse is that hopefully this this litigation, this suit that's being brought by this uh, group of activists. Uh, we'll have legs, and we will get a, a judge who uh, will say, hey, something's wrong here, and it, it is of constitutional proportion, and uh, it should be looked into as a matter of law. So, but that's a hope. That's not a solution. Right, right. So because this group is filing charges, well, will it have an income, uh, an outcome or an impact on the uh, election, or is it just for future elections that will impact? Well, you know, that the state is arguing that they're going to correct the 
the irregularities for the November general election. But what the suit okay. is asking for is part of what we call in the law uh, irreparable injury and injunctive relief. The suit is asking that if the court finds that as a matter of evidence that there have been a substantial irregularities that could amount uh, to type some type of fraud or criminal activity or fraudulent activity, uh, that the election should be set aside and that Baltimore City should have a new election, not only for the mayoral race, but also for the councilmatic races. Now, whether wow. the court, uh, you know, will go that far or whether there's enough to support uh, the court uh, taking that step, that's uh, an issue that we'll have to watch as the factual elements of the suit uh, develop. Okay. Well, of course, I I love when you come on because you always give us some insight and you always educate us on what we should know and the things that are going on in our state or in our city. So I absolutely appreciate you being on the show. Um, so the next question is Freddie Gray and the trial for the last officer. What do you think? Well, not the last. Not the last no, officer. The, not the last officer, the, but. This is the, the driver. This is the third officer, one. Right, Goodson. And, right. Uh, you know, uh, you know which, what has happened, uh, Stacy, and the two trials that we have had. Uh, mm-hmm. Porter more or less said uh, it wasn't his responsibility that that was the first trial. It was Goodson's mm-hmm. responsibility. And then mm-hmm. Nero, the trial that just finished, he more or less mm-hmm. kicked the ball to Goodson also, and to his supervisor mm-hmm. and his uh, and his uh, superiors. Well, the funny thing mm-hmm. about that. Uh, Stacy, is at some point in time, how far can you kick the ball up, to, up the curb right. for another person? In other words, remember that, that game musical chairs where everybody stands yeah. up and at some point in time there's mm-hmm. not going to be enough chairs? Or as mm-hmm. I said on, on another medium, that uh, the shell game where the P is under one shell and, and where is mm-hmm. the P? So, they, you know, that's been the strategy which worked for them, the defense, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, you had uh, separate trials, which was a good strategic move. But at some point in time, it seems to me somebody's going to have to take the responsibility for who, in fact, was uh, had the responsibility to get Mr. Gray to a hospital, mm-hmm. or who, in mm-hmm. fact, had the responsibility to make sure that he was in a reasonable condition in the van, uh, and who took the you know responsibility for handcuffing him and and uh, shackling him uh, when they mm-hmm. were aware of the perilous condition that he was in, and so the Goodson trial might be a totally different thing than the, the two trials that we have seen already, where they were able okay. to kick the ball to, up, up to another person and say uh, it wasn't me, it was him, or it wasn't me, it was her. At some point in time, somebody's going to have to take responsibility. And in that particular instance, we might find that criminal responsibility or liability is imposed. Okay. Now, have you seen the uh, YouTube video that's going around about uh, Pastor Jamal Bryant and this PFK boom uh, yes. activist? Uh-huh. And the, mm-hmm. So what do you think? So, well, okay, I thought before it was I a- I'm sorry. Before I ask you what you think, I'm going to tell you what I think, and then you can 
tell me what you think, and we'll see. So my first thought was, I think this is something that they set up. I I don't know. It just didn't seem. It looked like it seemed like it was it out then a real life confrontation. The second thing is. Although some of the things that I agree with Mr. P.F. Boom, or I can't, I don't know his name, but I agree, I just don't agree with his presentation. So, all right, tell me what you think. Well, I don't think it was set up, and I think it was very unfortunate uh, because uh, uh, my thoughts are when we have leadership and they have differences of opinion, uh, we should iron those differences of opinion out in private and not uh, in public. Yeah. I was just mm-hmm. watching the movie with Lyndon Baines Johnson uh, last week in terms of President Johnson and what he did in terms of the Civil Rights Act. And in that movie, mm-hmm. um, the people portraying Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and H. Rap Brown and Stokely Carmichael, they were at each other's throats. But it was inside. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. they came out publicly, even though they disagreed, they didn't but they didn't wash their dirty laundry in the streets. Okay. And so from that, in this new media, uh, this new modern media, everything seems to be mm-hmm. on camera, mm-hmm. everything with cell phones mm-hmm. and smartphones mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. I just don't think that, and I understand my information is that they have sort of uh, reconciled that and yeah. Yeah. sort of pulled mm-hmm. back, which I think is good for the mm-hmm. community. Uh, yeah. As well as uh, their their goals, we all have the same goals uh, to mm-hmm. advance mm-hmm. Uh, the African American community and to, to get out of the economic and impoverished uh, situation that we're in. And so we have the same right. goals, so we have to sort of work together in terms of, of obtaining those goals, but not uh, not uh, to have uh, a political bloodbath in public. Right. That might be a bad totally word agree. to use since we're having such mm-hmm. a bloodbath in the community know, as right. it is with young black folks killing each other. So, okay. Now, I had a conversation with um, someone about the crime in Baltimore City. Is that honestly something we can do as far as maybe making a better police presence in the community? So I know we used to have police walking the beat in some neighborhoods. And I don't really see that anymore. Is that an option or is that not safe? Or does that create more of a problem than a solution? Well, you know, as much, Stacey, as I have attacked the police department, I do think uh, that this new police commissioner, Commissioner Davis, is in a very short period of time is doing what he can do uh, okay. to, in fact, change the paradigm in terms of police uh, community relations uh, but I guess mm-hmm. it takes time and right. uh, you know I, I had problems with uh, Commissioner Bats being fired from going from mm-hmm. one police commissioner to the next there's never any mm-hmm. consistency and I think that has right. created part of the problem because every time we turn around we've had a new police commissioner mm-hmm. in Baltimore City we've had about seven or eight and so mm-hmm. every one time one gets in his or tries to implement his or her program, they're fired. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we have no stability. So, you know, right. I'm trying to 
gives Commissioner Davis the benefit of the doubt that he is trying to, in fact, uh, put into work and progress uh, some of the reforms uh, that we know are necessary uh, for, for a more effective community policing type of operation. So I think that's mm-hmm. something that with a new administration coming in, assuming that uh, the election stands as is, uh, and with, with the commissioner being there already, uh, hopefully that the, they will begin. Uh, and we still remember now, states, we're still waiting also uh, for the decision of the Department of Justice in terms of oh, the civil right. rights division uh, that is mm-hmm. going to tell us whether or not Baltimore City uh, Police Department needs major overhauls. overhauls. And so oh, there's a lot okay. going on in Baltimore City uh, that could uh, possibly – uh, with the right decisions, work to the benefit of the city and help reduce mm-hmm. this ridiculous crime situation uh, that we're experiencing here and being experienced across the nation, for that matter. I don't know why right. uh, what is happening is happening. It's just so tragic. Right. And he's killing You're older right. citizens and older women mm-hmm. and, and all mm-hmm. the violence on the streets of five and six murders every weekend. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yes, I totally agree. I totally agree. So, is there is there a is there an effort or is there a um, a resource available? So I remember when I was in elementary school, we had like officer friendly programs, and we had you know the PAL program. Is, are they even looking into bringing some of those? Uh, kind of activities and some of those resources back? Because I think if we started in school early like we used to with having a better police um, kind of community relationship, I think those things were kind of good in our community because even though, let's say, when you get home, your parents feel some kind of way about the police. But if you know as a child that you have an officer at your school that comes on a daily basis that you can kind of talk to and kind of, you know, relate to, then that might kind of go with you when you become an adult. Are those programs still available, or is that something well, that I was think just that, good for our I time? Think those, I think those are the things that uh, the new police commissioner, uh, the things that are being looked at. Uh, oh, great. Because you got to remember, a lot of those programs were cut, and a lot of things were pulled back, and Officer Finley became Officer Boogeyman. Uh, mm-hmm. When we had uh, the era of Mr. O'Malley and and uh, mm-hmm. zero tolerance, uh, when they mm-hmm. were just arresting black folks for nothing and throwing them in jail, right. that went on for four or five years, and that was almost like a, a terrorizing the black community. Mm-hmm. You could be locked mm-hmm. up for anything and everything. And so mm-hmm. once we found that that wasn't solving the crime problem, but was in fact destroying many people in the community, uh, then we start trying to go back to the old way of thinking of police mm-hmm. and community relationships between the community and the police department. So we, we've got to remember we went through a very dark era, uh, mm-hmm. and that probably led to all the police brutality, a lot of the police brutality that we saw in the in the middle 2000s and so forth and 2010, 2011, and 12, mm-hmm. that they're now saying, hey, that that was not the progressive best way mm-hmm. to, in fact, reduce crime. And so now we're finding that 
the new progressive way, as I said, uh, being espoused by Commissioner uh, Davis, is that we're going to back up and try to do it the, the wrong, the right way. But look how much right. damage was done while we were doing right. it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So yes, the answer to your question is I'm sure that those new things and the funding to go along with it are now on the agenda. But uh, look where mm-hmm. we had to go, and, and not only in terms of police brutality, but also in just the in tremendous increase of crime uh, before mm-hmm. we recognized that we were doing something wrong. And you know that we can right. always go back space to, to the roots of the problem. That none of this in mm-hmm. the African American and black community is going to be resolved as long as the dope is pouring in, as long as the right. guns are pouring in, as long mm-hmm. as people don't have jobs, they don't have opportunity, they don't have decent education, they have decent housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, as a society, created this monstrosity uh, that mm-hmm. we just cannot. It's not going to be solved overnight. I mean, Freddie Gray has has caused the light to be shown in terms of mm-hmm. uh, just West Baltimore and, and all the things that created the conditions uh, for the turmoil that uh, came out of the Freddie Gray killing. Uh, right. So, you know, before that, we sort of swept it under the rug and kept it in the closet. And okay. just to look now, the other way. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so the topic for the um, show for tonight, the first part of the show, was actually the church and our community. So I'll pose this question to you that I posed to um, the minister that was on the line before you came on. What happened to the black church and our community? Why doesn't it have such a stand in our community as it did before? Now, when I was younger, my whole family went to church, my mother, all my aunts, my grandparents, and my grandparents were kind of the people who kind of helped build the church. So it was, we went to Wednesday night service, we went to Thursday night choir rehearsal, we went to Friday night service, and then Sunday school. We were in church all day. But the church was a cornerstone for our community. If you needed help, if you were, if your rent was late, if you just needed somewhere to go because you were having issues and you needed to talk to someone, that was the church's role in our community. What happened today? Why doesn't the church have that kind of hold on our community? What do you think? Well, Stacey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tackle that problem uh, <laughs> <laughs> because the the church. I mean, maybe the ministers have to address that because uh, not only what you describe, but also you got to remember the political backbone of the African-American community was the church. It was mm-hmm. the church who that, that, that the civil rights movement came out of in the 50s mm-hmm. and the 60s and the 70s. It was the political movement generated by the church uh, that uh, caused this nation to go through uh, the progressive changes that it went through. It was the church mm-hmm. and the leaders of the church, from Martin Luther King to mm-hmm. Jesse Jackson to Farrakhan mm-hmm. and, and uh, Malcolm mm-hmm. X and what have you that, that led the social revolution. I don't know why, how the church got uh, taken off of center stage in terms of mm-hmm. uh, the political movement of this country. So uh, that is a, an issue is in itself 
as well mm-hmm. as the issues that you just raised, which I'm going to defer to the ministers to to answer that question rather than trying to re- give a perspective well, from an outside. Uh, hmm? Right, it was worth a try. I just wanted to see if you were going to give me something. <laughs> no, I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I wish I wish I would have heard the uh, the first part of your show to to hear uh, what the minister was saying and what their uh, response was. As you know, I've been in mourning all weekend, uh, Stacy, because of the loss of the great one, uh, Muhammad Ali. So absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I've been sort yeah, of uh, feel- watching that all weekend and been teared mm-hmm. up all weekend uh, with the loss yeah. of one of the great, great human beings of this of this uh, century. I I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I don't know. I I feel like we don't have people that's in out. Well, besides, of course, you and Reverend Al Sharpton, we have. Some, but it's like the people that made a remarkable difference. Like we don't have any young people following in those footsteps nowadays. That's honestly out to make a change and kind of be one with our community and kind of fight for what we believe in. Well, Stacy, again, that's for you young millennials to pick up the torch. You're right. And, uh, You're right. People that means like I got yourself. Yes, that's right. Uh, maybe we didn't. Maybe my generation. Maybe we didn't do what we should have done in preparing the next generation. Um, maybe we got complacent as a, a society and a community on the basis that we thought that the the equal process or the process of being equal had been achieved. And we now mm-hmm. had all had a house and two cars in the garage and a, a good job, and that the struggle was over. And everybody, this is what you know. You know, Stace, I mm-hmm. in my book, Under Color of Law, that's what I talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that, that African Americans that uh, we decided that we had some victories and we had arrived. And mm-hmm. while we were sleeping and celebrating the victories of the 21st and 20th century, uh, the clock was being turned back on us. And mm-hmm. we didn't even recognize what was happening in the years right. of Reagan and the years of the Bushes, not being political, but just it was. Mm-hmm. The Congress, the the, the, politi- the Supreme Court, the, all the things that were relevant uh, were being turned back by conservative right-wing administrations. And now we're looking at what's happening in terms of the right wing now perceives that they have the opportunity uh, to seize power completely if they can Mm -hmm. seize power uh, in this upcoming presidential election. And if they seize power in this upcoming presidential election, that means that they will seize the Supreme Court, they will have the U.S. Congress, and they will have the White House, and we will definitely be back in the dark ages. Mm-hmm. Because so they have made re- it clear what their agenda is. I I agree. Do you really think Trump has a chance in winning? Yes, I do. I think he has a very dangerous chance. You got to realize the mood in this country. I mean, all we got to do is look back to 1936 
in Nazi Germany. He's following the playbook of Adolf Hitler almost to a T. And that was mm. to 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 preach to the hatred, to the division that lies within mm-hmm. people and within a, a society and the community. And just like Hitler blamed the Jews, he's blaming uh, the Mexicans and the Hispanics and mm-hmm. also going to be blaming, blaming the African-Americans and divisiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and what you're seeing, what's percolating, the reason so many people have turned out is because you have a, a body politic of people in this nation that he's really speaking for and they love what he's saying. And so you'd be surprised that the, the hate groups and the, the right wing and the people out here that, that believe that America is great if America was back to where it was, a, a white nation uh, in control mm-hmm. and in power. And that that political block is alive and well. Got to remember, they tried to take this country in 19, uh, I think it was 1964, when Goldwater lost to uh, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson. And then they tried okay. again in 1980, and they were successful when Reagan uh, took control and beat Jimmy Carter. And then they were successful, but the Bushes, both Bush 1 and Bush 2, were a little bit more, more mm-hmm. moderate, but they still stacked the court, the Supreme Court of the United States, mm-hmm. with conservative right-wing judges and uh, justices. Mm-hmm. And so what you're seeing now is that the right wing sees a potential opening because the Democrats are not really organized and not really solidified, and they see the opportunity uh, that with their voters being excited and, and pumped up and ready to go, yes, Adon, we could wake up uh, the day after the election, and it is conceivable and possible that we could be looking at a, a Donald Trump presidency if we as a people don't react. Now, what is mm-hmm. the, the thing that can save America? Here is the irony, Stacy. What saves mm-hmm. America, the, the vote, mm-hmm. voting block that can save this nation from that type of right-wing movement is the African-American block, the African-American mm-hmm. voters, because mm-hmm. that is still a majority mm-hmm. of block of voters uh, that votes usually solidly one way or the other, and normally Democrat, but historically we used to be, uh, you know, Republican, but then Republican wasn't right wing at that point in time. Joe right. Eisenhower uh-huh. and other Republican presidents all the way back to Lincoln was different, but then we went through the, the South and the Klan and, and uh, the Dixiecrats, and so the Republicans became the right wing and the Democrats became the progressive party. But they see a open because an opening because their electorate is excited, and that mm-hmm. can very easily, if we stay home or if we sleep this, mm-hmm. uh, it can very easily we can see a, a, a Donald Trump seizing the White House, and he's already told you what he's going to do with the Supreme Court. He told he told us that two weeks ago. Right. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court so, is right now divided four to four, and he's the Supreme Court is going to have about three judges, Stacey, three justices over the age of 75 uh, when the next president comes into power. And that means that the next president of the United States will be able to determine the the Supreme Court balance uh, between the right and the left, between progressive and conservatism uh, for the next generation of people, your children, um, mm-hmm. our grandchildren, and so forth, if, mm-hmm. that, if that court 
goes solidly to the right. We're in a very so dangerous I, period, Stacey. I was, that's what I was going to say. My, so now my question is, if Donald Trump does become president, is he controllable? Are they, are they going to be able to reel him in? Or is that is that just not, not good? I don't know how that's going to unfold. Well, let, let's ask yourself the question. Who is going to reel him in? Exactly. I don't know. So if he becomes, <laughs> I don't know. If he becomes president, the Congress is already, the House of Representatives is already in Republican control. The United mm-hmm. States Senate is already in Republican control. If he becomes president, then the Supreme Court will become under Republican right-wing conservative control. There is nothing to wheel him or to pull him in. Mm-hmm. And, and okay. I keep saying it. All we're looking, all you got to do, folks, is go back to 1936. It was the same game plan that Hitler put into progress and into, in, into action when he took when the Nazi party took control of Germany. And we're a young nation. See, we, we're such mm-hmm. a young nation. We haven't experienced uh, this type of uh, political takeover that, uh, that we're mm-hmm. potentially being confronted with because our system mm-hmm. has always been designed for what they call checks and balances. Well, we, mm-hmm. have, we might have a Democratic president, but we got a Republican right. Senate, a Republican. or we might have a Republican mm-hmm. president, but we got a Democratic and Senate, a Democrat and then we have a Supreme mm-hmm. Court that's balanced, or that sometimes mm-hmm. is moving to the right, sometimes is moving to the left. We are standing in 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 the opening of history where this country can conceivably go all the way to the right. Mhm. I real. don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't know, but all we can do is. So, why don't you think um, the Democratic Party has kind of, or has not kind of, did all the marketing campaigns as they did when uh, President Obama was running? Like they had, it was it was more advertising, more getting people and providing ways for people to get out and vote. What happened? Well, I think the Democratic Party being orchestrated by the powers uh, that were connected to the Clintons, uh, they wanted a really closed nomination process. And so I think the party basically shut down uh, any type of real competition. I mean, nobody anticipated the rise of Bernie Sanders. This was more or less orchestrated to be a coordination rather than an election. Mm-hmm. And now we're standing here with on the verge of of nominating uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, which mm-hmm. I have no problem with her. Because I think we're going to have to vote Democratic regardless. But th- just think of it, Stacey. We're sitting here getting ready to nominate a woman to run for president that is under investigation and could still be indicted by her own party. This is crazy. Oh, well. She is under investigation right. by her by the Justice Department of a Democratic administration and now the State Department of a Democratic administration, and she is the Democratic nominee. I don't understand that one. So is she still being investigated for the emails? Yes, FBI hasn't closed that. And as of last week, her own State Department came out with a negative investigation 
uh, in terms of the internal investigation of the State Department, of which she was Secretary of State. And so that's just uh, that doesn't make any sense to me of why the Obama administration is allowing this to continue and giving uh, ammunition to the Republican Party. I don't understand it. Unless there's some uh, deep down plan to uh, deny her the nomination and give it to somebody like uh, another party, or Senator Warren or Joe Biden or something at the Democratic National Convention. Uh, but that, you know, that's just, that's too conspiratorial. So I'll just have to wait and see how that right. unfolds. Right. I guess, you know, let me say it. I guess you just have to wait and see how what goes down. Yeah. All right. But so I'm going to have to leave you, you tonight, Stacey, if I can. Okay. Because I have a big trial okay, in the morning. Absolutely, absolutely, and we'll be keep keep us posted on the trial. I know you can't give us all the details, but you know we'll ask you again when you come on the show how you like the trial and anything you can tell us. All right, I love to, and I always enjoy being on your show, and you do thank such you, a service you, to you. the community, young lady. Thank and you keep so up the much. Good work. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I'll be talking to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Make Me Feel It, family. We are back, and this is your host, Stacey. I guess I won't be holding you for the whole, till the whole 9 o'clock tonight, but there are a few things that I want you to be informed of going on in our community. I told you I try to keep you posted with what's going on um, in the community so that you are aware because I know some things, I don't know, just doesn't get out there. So I try to do my best to keep you informed and keep you updated and keep you posted. You do know the Artscape is coming, um, and the Artscape will be July the 15th. And I'm trying to see if I have a, a lineup. To let you know who will be performing, Wyclef Jean will be performing uh, 7:30 on July the 16th. Um, they are having a Prince dance party, party like it's 1999. So there are a few things going on at Artscape uh, this weekend. Um, please take advantage of all the things at Artscape. As a community, you know, we always love to um, go to that and eat good and listen to the music. Um, Baltimore Leadership School for Young Women uh, graduates their first class seven years ago. 120 girls bedecked in purple polo shirts and plaid skirts walked into an environment. A Baltimore public school model on those originally designated for affluent white girls whose families could afford to send them to finishing school. On Friday, just past, half of those girls, all but one of them African-American and most from working-class families, did all white robes to make history as the first graduating class of the Baltimore Leadership School for Young Women. So congratulations to those um, ladies, the first graduating class of the Baltimore Leadership School. I'm super-duper proud of you, ladies, and congratulations. Uh, Baltimore police are rolling out transport vans with cameras that are redesigned and a redesigned interior. 
The Baltimore Police Department is rolling out a fleet of 10 new transport vans and retrofitting 13 others with a redesigned interior and several cameras to improve and record the care of detainees in police custody. So this should be coming down the pike pretty soon. Tall ships arrive in Baltimore. Plan cooked up by the local leaders of 40 years ago was to draw a few tall ships to Baltimore to help celebrate the nation's bicentennial. It worked so well, they never stopped. The Juan Sebastian de Alcano, a four-masted bark schooner used by the Royal Spanish, these are a lot of words, Royal Spanish Navy for training, glided into South Point on Tuesday morning. So if you want to go to see the tall ships, they are down South Point. Um, the Inner Harbor Water Wheel is, was so popular that Asia is looking to buy one. So good job, Baltimore City. There are a lot of things going on in our city that we are unaware of that is kind of trending all over the world. So be aware of what's going on in your city. And I take pride in kind of get, keeping you guys updated on our city and our community. Um, the Ballet Theater of Maryland Residency gives Baltimore the first professional ballet troupe in 23 years. So we are happy to have our own ballet troupe. They will be performing at the uh, Modell Performing Arts Center at the Lyric. So um, keep an ear out for that. If you are into ballet and that's your thing, Baltimore City will be having its own ballet residency. Good job, Baltimore. Um, Baltimore HIV Long-Term Survivors Awareness Day. Well, it's today, actually, June the 5th, um, 35 years later, and we are moving forward with our HIV awareness and people who are living with HIV um, living a long life with the medicine that we have available. So today is our HIV Long-Term Survivors Awareness Day. Summer Black Party. Uh, it's starting June the 14th. There are various locations. Baltimore City Summer Block Party. So I'll read to you the dates and the times. I mean, the dates, um, they will be in your neighborhood. So in June, June the 14th, citywide, Madison Square Dome, the 1100 block of East Eaton Street, 7, 10 p.m. June the 16th, York Road and Woodburn, 7 to 9 p.m. June the 21st, McElderly Park, 7 to 10 p.m. July the 20th, Poplar Grove, 7 to 10. Poplar Grove, 800 block of Poplar Grove, sorry, from 7 to 10 p.m. July 21st, 2600 block of Park Heights, 7 to 9 p.m. July the 26th, Citywide, Cloverdale Courts, 6 to 9 p.m. July the 27th, Mount Clare Junction, at, or Mount Clare, I apologize, Curry Street from 7 to 10 p.m. July the 28th, Gwynn's Falls, uh, the 2300 block of Poplar Grove Street from 7 to 10 p.m. August the 8th, Goodnow Road, 2 to 6 p.m. August the 9th, 20, uh, 200 North Fremont Avenue, 7 August the 10th, 1500 block of Gulf Street, 7 to 10 p.m. August 11th, 500 West Preston Street, 7 to 10 p.m. August the 16th, 11, no, I'm sorry, 
1311 North Gilmore Street, 7 to 10 p.m. August the 18th, the EM School, 801 Bridgeview Road, 6 to 9 p.m. That's our Cherry Hill community. August the 19th, it's Citywide Late Night Pool Party, Druid Hill Park, 6 to 9 p.m. August the 20th, 1700 Block of Barclay Street, 1 to 3 p.m. And August the 26th, 4300 Side Hill Road, 7 to 10 p.m. That is the date and the location for the summer block parties given from given by the city this summer. Free food and fun, live DJ, dancers, and celebrities. So if you need the information again, send me an email at StacyLFerguson77 at gmail.com, and I can email you the date and time they will be in your neighborhood for the summer block party. Artscape is coming um, July the 15th through the 17th, and I'm trying to see if I can find out who is performing and what night. Okay, it does not give me all of that information, but let's see. Sorry, guys, I don't have who will be performing, but I do have the dates. So it's July the 15th through the 17th, Artscape. Um, and that is all the information I have for today for what is going on around our city. So once again, I want to thank you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to Make Me Feel It Radio. This is your host, Stacy. tonight and every Sunday night from 7 to 9 p.m. So the first part of our show, church people, don't be a church person. Be genuine when you go to church. Go to church because you are there to get a word from God, something that is going to uplift, motivate, and inspire you for the next week. If you go to church to talk about people, if you go to church to be nosy and in people business, you go to church for the wrong reason. Find something in the church that you're good at that you can give back to the community. It's always better to serve. When you serve in your community, that's an awesome feeling. And you get rewarded by giving out and putting things out into the universe. So whatever you put out in the universe always comes back to you. So you will always want it to be good vibes to come back to you. Um as far as voting, everyone, please get out and vote, or else we're going to have Donald Trump as our president. I don't know if you want that or not, but that's not something I'm looking forward to. So please, please, please get out and vote. Get out. Make a difference in your community. Let your voice be heard. We don't want Donald Trump as a president because I don't think that's going to end well for us. So. Thank you, thank you, thank you again for listening. I hope you learned something. I hope you were inspired or motivated to do something. Have a good week. Smile. Plan your week. Plan to have a good week. Hug your family. With all this crime and things that's going on in our world right now, you never know. So live a good life. 
think about what you want to leave as your legacy. You don't want it when it's your final resting day. You don't want to just that just be it. You want to leave something where people remember you in a good way. You want to leave a legacy. You want to leave something for your children, your grandchildren, to say, my parents were this, or I knew a person and they did this. So you want to leave something that people will remind you in a positive way. Live healthy. Do something, change one thing in your diet this week that's healthy. And start small. Don't try to jump out there and change your whole meal. Instead of having a snicker, have a granola bar. Instead of eating, I don't know, donuts or whatever, get yourself some fruit. So I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. I thank you, Mr. Pettit, for coming on the show. I thank you, Miss Courtney Pate, for being always supporting me. Thank you for listening, whether you listen from the computer or if you called in. I appreciate all your love and support. So enjoy your night and have a fabulous week. You are on with Stacy of Make Me Feel It Radio, and this is the end of the show for tonight. Enjoy. Napa know how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.